How's it going guys? Miguel here from CFS Recovery. This channel is dedicated to helping people recover from CFS or chronic fatigue syndrome or any hypersensitive nervous system disorder. In today's video, we're gonna be talking about a very scary symptom, one of the most scary symptoms that I've experienced alongside heart palpitations and the high heart rate. And this symptom is shortness of breath. Shortness of breath can be absolutely terrifying. I know exactly what it feels like. It can lead to things like panic attacks and anxiety attacks. It can feel like your lungs are literally shutting down and it can feel like you're running out of oxygen. And it's one of the scariest things to deal with because this one symptom can lead to a host of other symptoms, things like lightheadedness, high heart rate, tingling in the hands and feet, pins and needles, vertigo, along with a host of other things. In the beginning, I didn't get too much shortness of breath. It was typically fatigue and anxiety. I didn't even know what anxiety was at the time, but turns out, yes, I was very anxious. I was always worrying about things. At the time, I was worrying a lot about work, overthinking, I just didn't know how to shut my brain off. Eventually, that fatigue and anxiety led to more and more symptoms like brain fog, insomnia, and shortness of breath. Now, I first started noticing shortness of breath when I'd go up a flight of stairs and find it very difficult to catch my breath. And that happened quite a bit. And it wasn't just with stairs, it was even just bringing groceries into the house, even going up the stairs in my own house at the time, walking up a sidewalk that just had a slight incline and it didn't really make sense what was going on. I was like, okay, this is weird. I've never really had this before. So at first it's like, okay, whatever. I'm probably just tired, but it kept happening. And I was a personal trainer at the time. So I'm picking up weights, cleaning the gym, giving my personal training clients weights, showing them how to do the exercises. And I was getting very out of breath for some reason. Keep in mind, back in high school, I was wrestling team captain. I played football, I played rugby, did track and field. I was a very active guy, right? It's not like I was physically unfit. I was very fit on the outside at least. And prior to all of this, I was working out five times a week, no problem. So when I had this, it confused me. But as time went on, this shortness of breath, along with other things like heart palpitations and high heart rate all the time and insomnia, all these things compounded over each other. The high heart rate and the heart palpitations would make me feel very anxious because I thought I was having a heart attack. And in being more anxious, my breath started increasing. Then I started getting shortness of breath. I couldn't catch my breath. And that led to many panic attacks that I had. You know, there were times when I was just sitting in a car driving and I went through a tunnel and I felt almost claustrophobic because I felt like there was nowhere to run or nowhere to, to escape in the tunnel. I started getting shortness of breath and shortness of breath led to a panic attack inside a tunnel while I'm driving like 100 kilometers an hour. This also happened in malls. I remember one time I was in a food court. I was sitting down there. Then all of a sudden this thought came into my mind. Oh, what if something happens and I need to leave? The door is all the way over there, like 75 meters away. That's not enough time for me to escape the situation and had a panic attack in the food court and it all started with me feeling anxious, having these weird thoughts. And then I started getting shortness of breath and now I'm like, oh crap, I better get out soon to catch my breath. And shortness of breath, looking back now, knowing what I know from everything I teach on this YouTube channel about how the hypersensitive nervous system can cause the brain to place limiters on the body, I saw shortness of breath as a limiter. I now see how my brain was placing a limiter on my body in the form of shortness of breath. Now there's a lot of ways the brain places limiters on the body. 
There's a lot of primary and secondary symptoms, as I like to call it. You can see them up on the screen here. Typically, it starts out with primary symptoms and then it develops into secondary symptoms, but it gets to the point where all of these things play off of each other. They're all interconnected and lead to one another. And so shortness of breath, it was very scary. What helped me never really have to worry about shortness of breath again was knowing that my lungs were not shutting down because for the longest time, that's what I thought was happening. It literally feels like someone's pressing into your chest and you can't take a deep exhale or you're not getting enough oxygen. When you have the sense that you're not getting enough oxygen, your heart starts pumping really fast. You start to worry more. That leads to lightheadedness and maybe you start hyperventilating actually to try to catch oxygen and that can lead to pins and needles in your hands and feet and you can feel very lightheaded. I had that happen a few times. When I realized that there was actually nothing physically wrong with my lungs, that they were fully capable of supplying my body with enough oxygen and they were capable of functioning properly, it really helped overcome that fear. Now, I needed my doctor to tell me this and it took quite a few different scenarios for it to all click. I think one of the biggest mind shifts I had with the shortness of breath was this one time when I was in the hospital. This was at my absolute worst. At this point, I had not sleeping for about two weeks. I had been bedridden for about eight months, completely bedridden. I was on all these different supplements from a naturopath and my grandpa at the time who was taking care of me, he was helping push me up the stairs coming back from doctor's appointments. He was pushing me in a wheelchair. He was bringing me to my blood test. He was giving me shoulder rubs at nighttime when I was crying because I, I thought my life was over. He was the one praying over me. Him and my grandma were like my rock during recovery. And he actually passed away while I was sick. He had a stroke. So to have that person that you find so much support in pass away, it hits you extra hard because that is like your lifeline right there. And that is a person who was there with you through, through the darkest of times. And to see them go, it was tough. So it took my anxiety to a whole different level. Anyways, for two weeks, I did not sleep. Body was extra wired. I was crying. Just emotions were a mess. So I ended up in the hospital because I couldn't eat for about three days at home. When I tried to eat, my dad would have to blend food. I remember he blended like rice and tilapia and warm water. It was disgusting, but I, I needed to eat at the time. Couldn't go to the washroom. Digestion was all messed up. So we ended up calling the ambulance. I get to the hospital after having not slept for about two weeks. And I'm starting to go insane here. I, I, I'm hearing voices. And uh, when you don't sleep for that long, you start to feel like you're going crazy, right? So the first night goes by. I don't get any sleep at all. They gave me this weird medication for upset stomach. I think it was called Zofran. And it's weird because every time I would almost fall asleep, I was on the brink of falling asleep. It was like a seizure-like feeling. Like my whole body would just jolt. It felt like you got into a mini car crash or something. That like That's how fast my body would jolt. And so I, I didn't get any sleep. So the next day I was so tired that I was having trouble breathing. So much so that I told him, I was like, guys, I can't breathe. I need oxygen. I couldn't talk properly. I was basically whispering. I was like, I need oxygen. I can't breathe properly. And I was so exhausted that it was hard to like inhale. I think it was that plus the major like severe anxiety and not sleeping for two weeks. Anyways, about two hours later, it gets really bad. I cannot get a breath in, very anxious. I literally feel like I'm dying. That day they did an ultrasound and I couldn't even move in the bed. So they had to scoop me up, attach me to this thing on the ceiling and move me to another hospital bed and then roll me down there and then move me back. But 
eventually I, I felt like my lungs had stopped working. I, looking back now, it was a severe panic attack. I think I was just extremely tired, but they had two or three nurses running in and out of the room, giving me oxygen, taking measurements. They were doing an emergency x-ray because I thought my lungs had collapsed. And so I'm here freaking out. And my girlfriend at the time, she was holding my hand and I was just looking at her and I was like, man, this is it. I'm going to die. Like my whole life flashed before my eyes. I was like, okay, I accept it. 22 years old and I'm going to die right here. They do the emergency x-ray. They look at the scans. And then next thing you know, my amazing doctor comes in. Another doctor, not the one who taught me all this stuff, but the doctor who really supported me in the intensive care unit, he came in and he just said, Miguel, guess what? You're going to be fine. You're all good to go. Go ahead and take this. And he hands me an Ativan pill. Now here's the crazy part. I was having extreme difficulty breathing. It felt like I couldn't even draw a breath. They had me hooked up to some oxygen tanks. And so he puts this pill in my hand. And as soon as he puts the pill in my hand, I took a gasp of air. My body just loosened its grip on me and I could breathe normally again. I could think clearly there was no more pain and I hadn't even ingested the thing yet. So that's when I realized a lot of these issues had to do with the way the brain was communicating with my body. My brain was just sending the wrong signals to my body, causing lots of pain, causing weird symptoms, causing shortness of breath and things like that. And that's when it started to click with me. I knew something was going on with the software, with the brain. I knew my body was okay because they had ran so many different tests. I was in the ICU for about a month. And when that happened, it just reinforces this idea that I heard so many times that this is a problem in your brain. It's not a problem in your body. And when I finally met my doctor about four weeks later, after being in the intensive care unit, then he explained to me how your brain places limiters on your body in the form of symptoms. It's trying to stop you from doing more things. It's trying to stop you from doing more activity, from even thinking straight. So if you're thinking too much, your brain's going to try to stop you from thinking by giving you brain fog. If you were doing way too much physical activity, it's going to give you lots of pain to stop you from moving around. If you keep trying to push you that, it's going to give you shortness of breath. It's going to give you aches. It's going to give you all these weird things to try to keep you put. And that made total sense to me. And so from that day forward, when he told me that, I was no longer afraid of shortness of breath. I no longer felt like I would just stop breathing. The fear of that was just gone because I knew it was not a hardware problem, as in structurally there was nothing wrong with my organs, but it was a software problem. The way my brain was sending signals to my body. And once I learned how to lower the stress on my brain, on my nervous system essentially, then I had a lot less symptoms and it didn't happen overnight. That was a fascinating story that really taught me that, wow, okay, your lungs are actually fine. They are fully capable of providing your body with sufficient oxygen that it needs to survive. And the thing that causes shortness of breath is the anxiety that you're feeling about all of these symptoms. The worry that you have if you're ever going to get better, if you're on the right track, if you have maybe limes or mold or this or that early onset of Parkinson's, maybe you have this weird thing that they've never ever discovered before. It was those things that were driving the shortness of breath. So the more I could tone those things down and just really focus on this one problem that it was a hypersensitive nervous system issue, the more the shortness of breath went away. And it was like night and day once it clicked in my mind. I was able to not buy into the symptoms as much. And granted, all of this applies to you if you've had multiple tests done in the past, you've had x-rays of your lungs, or they've checked you out for different things that 
they don't have solutions for or they haven't found anything. This YouTube channel is essentially the last resort for most people. They've been turned away by doctors. The doctors have told me you're completely fine, your tests are normal, and they don't know what else to do. And that's typically the person I want to watch this content. If you have other things like actual lung issues, then it's not something that you can just retrain. You actually have to deal with those lung issues. But if you don't have anything showing up in tests, you can be pretty confident this is a hypersensitive nervous system issue. So that's how you deal with shortness of breath. It's not really dealing specifically with the shortness of breath. It's dealing with the anxiety, the constant nervousness, the constant worry. That's how you indirectly deal with the shortness of breath. And if you work on those things, I guarantee you the shortness of breath is going to start to go down because shortness of breath is one of the main kind of follow-up symptoms of anxiety, right? The more anxious you are, the more shortness of breath you have. And here's the thing, it's like a catch-22 because the more shortness of breath you have, the more anxiety you feel about running out of oxygen, feeling like you're gonna die. When you're more anxious, you have more shortness of breath. You have more shortness of breath, you have more anxiety, and it becomes this thing where it's it can spiral out of control and that's when you have something like a panic attack and it can feel like you're gonna die. And once you have the panic attack, there are residual symptoms after the panic attack. And I actually break that down in one of the recovery science blueprint documents that you can find in the link down below. It's pretty much the roadmap that my doctor gave me to help me understand what was going on. And it just gave me clarity on what I needed to do to get better, what recovery looked like. And I'm a very visual person. So these diagrams really helped. I pretty much narrowed it down to a handful of pages, breaking down everything that's going on with your body and what you need to do to pretty much break out of the cycle. So if you did enjoy this video, make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit that like button. And I want you to share down below, what is your biggest takeaway from this video? What is the biggest thing that you learned? Because every single video we do a subscriber highlight, the highlight for this episode is from Dan. He says, I'm trying to walk once every other day around 100 meters and that works fine. Though sometimes I need a two day adjustment period, but not a crash anymore, luckily but very interesting insight to know that you actually need the symptoms to happen to get better. That is very true. You need the symptoms to get better. You need something to retrain. Every episode of symptoms is the perfect opportunity to retrain your brain. And there is no way to recover without experiencing symptoms. And I break that down in other videos like the one you can see up here. I thought that was a really awesome comment because he started to grasp that idea, that concept that you need the symptoms to recover or else you have nothing to retrain. So I hope you enjoyed this video. Hope you got value out of it. If you needed some extra help in your journey, if you wanted to join our tribe of thrivers in the Recovery Jumpstart program, it's essentially a place where you get hands-on help through Zoom calls, through video modules, through actual one-on-one -on -one interaction with people who've been in your shoes before and have recovered. It's a place where you can accelerate your progress on your recovery journey. If you're interested in a program like that, then you can definitely book a strategy call below. We take people into the program by application only. So you need to fill out a questionnaire first, and then you can book a strategy call where we'll see if you're the right fit for the program. If you're a great fit, then we would love to help you out and help you accelerate your progress. Always remember you are a thriver and you are just one mind shift away from living life with thriving health. I'll see you in the next video.